Welcome to Brain Fuel Podcast, where we give you the good, the bad, and the ugly in life and business. Rich, welcome on to the podcast. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. How are you managing to get through all these times? All good. All good. Um, I train a lot. So that's my secret. Do a lot of training, a lot of exercise. Keep the, keep the head straight. Martial arts or just weights? Or... I, I've not done much. I used to do martial arts. used to do MMA. I've not done much recently. Um, I'm getting older, so I've done my hip in. Like an old man with a sore hip. So, no, I mainly just... just uh, I've got a wee gym in the house, so I just mainly... Uh, no. um, but uh, and I do a lot of bag work. I like to punch a bag. do that a lot. Good stuff. And let's just take it back, mate. Let's take it back to the beginning. Where are you from? How was life growing up for you? Um, so I grew up in, I grew up in Lanark, um, deepest, darkest South Lanarkshire. Um, most of my family are from Motherwell and Hollytown. So uh, not many tech entrepreneurs come from that neck of the world. Um, and um, yeah, so I grew up, I grew up in Lanark. Um, my dad's um was a car salesman and moved up to being a director at like Nissan and uh, Hyundai and kind of walked his way up really, kind of was unemployed when I was born and walked his way up and um, done really well. Um, my mum started with an HR team at the council, North Lanarkshire Council when she was 16, 17, walked her way up to, you know, run the thing um, as well. So I grew up, I'm the oldest of four boys um, and uh, I grew up, grew up and done pretty well. Um, like primary school, you know, ducks and all that, and then and then um, started to go off in a different path, um, and uh, and um, you know, teenage years got a bit of trouble, was a bit of tear away, bit of rebel, um, and um, but I always managed to get by, right? So I had a decent head on my shoulders, so even um, you know, I was maybe get suspended every now and again, but I never get expelled, so I always got uh, always managed to pull it pull it back. But yeah, I went. To you know, primary school in, in, in Lana and then Lana Grammar. Um, and then I left when I was um, 17 and went done lots of different things. But, um, but I, I spent most of the time when I was there. there. You're saying that you were quite disruptive and stuff. Seems to be yes. quite a popular uh, narrative for kind of entrepreneurs or successful guys. Do you think that that was the start of you as an entrepreneur back then, or you know, you had a vision to be successful, but school was maybe holding you back? Um, yeah, I, I didn't, I'm kind of, I don't know, a bit socially awkward, I never really liked school, right, I never liked it, um, and, um, you know, I kind of, I got, I suppose I got into trouble with fitting, right, so, um, like, we were, you know, we were working class, but where I grew up, we were kind of like, you know, we got a lot of trouble saying, oh, you're rich, we weren't by any stretch of the imagination, but, um, but, um, so I think I, I probably just got, was a bit disruptive to fit in, really, right? And and um, and then um, and but yeah, I didn't become you know I didn't start a company until I was much older. But yeah, I do, I do think I had that entrepreneurial spirit because I I, I, walked, like, I got a paper in when I was eleven. I then was a milk boy when I was twelve. I then got a job selling um, selling uh, like dairy products and like milk and bacon door to door, which was quite made quite a bit of money through that. And then um. um and then doing like delivering the phone books, done that, and um, you know, so everyone, you know, and, and I walked in. My my favorite, my mom's favorite job was I got a job in Summerfield doing a night shift, so I get paid seventeen pound an hour when I was like fifteen just to walk through the night, 
and stacky shelves, but she got 20% discount. So she loved that was the favorite job she's ever had. That was the first that was the only time she's been really proud of my job was 20% off at, at, at Summerfield. Um but I, I always, you know, I always worked, right? Always, always. That was the one thing I, I think I had going for me was work ethic, right? But yeah, no, I, the whole education thing, I, I rebelled. You know, I done a, I wrote an essay in my higher, I, I, thought, I can't remember if it was English or classical studies or something, but I wrote an essay about how the education system is broken, right? I obviously never passed the field, but um, but I, I was the kind of rebel I was, right? I just was, you know, I went into one exam and I literally sat there for an hour and just stared out the invigilator and never, never um, wrote anything in the page. Again, no, for no good reason, right? I, I, when I look back, I was saying that to my mum and dad the other day, they must have patience as a saint. Because, but I just, I, I, I don't know. I, uh, I always envisaged, I don't know. I always thought I'd kind of landed my feet, but um, my initial plan was I was in a band and I was going to be a rock star. That was how I was going to make my millions at right, first. Okay. Um, and uh, I, I don't know, but as I said, I always had that work ethic, right? I always had, you know, we always had something to go and make, and make money. We're always doing something, right? Um, Strike me as that and, kind of guy, if, if this all failed, you know, you could just turn your hand to anything to make money. Does that come from your mum and dad both being hardworking, um, car salesmen and stuff? Does that, is that where you get the drive? Um. I don't know. I think the drive's changed over the years, but I think, um, yeah, I think, well, I grew up in the motor trade, so I grew up travelling around with my dad. I got, as I said, I wasn't at school that often, right? So when I was, my dad would take me, he was travelling all around car dealerships visiting him, so I would always be out um, for him, you know, so I would be, you know, um, you know, you'd hear all the calls and you just, I'd kind of pick everyone up, right? You'd kind of pick up, you know, business and everything else. Um, you know, my mum always has a strong work ethic. She got really, you know, she managed to progress really well. Had a, built a huge team. You know, had like was pushing diversity and gender bias and all that kind of flexible working way before it was a thing, right? Yes. So, um, so yeah, I think I picked up um, the work ethic um, definitely um, from my parents. But I don't know. I just thought it was this thing I wanted to be successful. I suppose that always that changed. But um, yeah, but I just always had that kind of like. I don't know, I always got bored. I was never one to sit and play a computer, you know, yeah. all day or just always, just always like, well, you know, and again, that was not always, always the good stuff, but always just up to something, right? Always just, um, you know, um, always at something. And um, and then, you know, the, the kind of older I got and the, the more, you know, the more that I started to realise that, you know, being a rebel and a lot of the stuff, wasn't he actually going to have a good outcome? So like I had a, you know, I had a few, you know, I was dragged out a, was class once by he recently died, but a guy called Doctor Kerr, and he was an amazing guy. And he, I remember once, pinned me to the. You wouldn't get away with this now, but pinned me to the outside, and was like, "Look, last chance saloon, right?" Yeah. Um, you know, and I remember my mum going to me. I said this a number of times, but you fly with the crows, you get shot with the crows, right? And I got told that a lot, and that and that kind of then that became quite formative in terms of where I went from, you know, from school and then onwards, but. You know, a big part of it for me was just getting out of that environment, getting out of a lot of the people that I had, you know, that I thought were my friends or thought, you know. And once I got out of that environment, and I realised that, you know, a lot of the things that I, I, I you know, I had probably more talent and more confidence than I thought. And then I thought, and then I was able to apply it to different things. But yeah. um, and what age I know it was definitely you? a bumpy road. What age were you then when the, that kind of mindset switched? Um. So it was it was probably 
there was probably a few. Well, so it probably switched about 17, 18. Right. I never really done anything about it then. Right. So um, it, it kind of switched, but I was still, you know, we're still just kicking about with the same people, you know, partying for three, four days, you know, no really, you know, no care in the world, right? Um, and probably alienating myself more and more from my family because I was just, you know, I had three younger brothers, you know, they all behaved really well because they all seen what, you know, you know, all the carnage that I brought to the party. Um, so, you know, I think I was 17, 18, and you had to to start screwing it up, but, um, and because I, you know, I managed to get decent grades, so I managed to still pull out, you know, so I was like good at English and a few things. So I still managed to pull out decent grades to go to uni. I was accepted yeah. to quite a few unis, but I never went, right? So, you know, I was still, I think at that point I was working, I had a couple of jobs. So I was working in a bar, I was doing some night shift at Summerfield and I was doing some software sales. So I'd met a guy who had a car um, or a automotive software company. So he sold like, sales training and like a early SAS, great guy. Um, and he gave me a job when I was like 17, 18, just doing cold calling. So was that and, your um, first job? That was probably my first real like professional job, right? Yeah. So I, 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 I was doing those things. I get paid a tenner an hour for it, right? And then every every meeting I set, I get like a five or so. It was actually pretty decent. Um, so it's just cold call meeting setting, right? That's all, all it was, old school, right. you know? And then I would get to go and train like, you know, like, 50 year old sales guys about how to you know do cold call and cold emails and all that kind of stuff and um and it was great so so and again I was doing I was doing okay and then um my my mom was like there is no way you're not going to further your education I'm like well I'm not so yeah. that'll be that so um my mom went to Bell College in Hamilton um she was one of the first people going to Bell College so I uh, in the last day of clearing she marched me down to Bell College, made me sign up, and I joined a B Open University BA course right. um, at Bell College, and that was when I think I realised that first day, and no disrespect to them, but that's when I realised that you know all the rebelling and everything was a bit of an issue because I kind of realised I'm like I shouldn't be here, right? Yeah. In terms of like in terms of where my aspirations were and my other level were, I should have really been it university doing a proper degree doing something properly right and yeah. integrating and doing all of that instead of being in a kind of two-year you know open university mickey mouse uh, ba course which yeah. is what it was right yeah. so but then i kind of reverted to type a bit so i i, I never went i never went i don't know how often i went but i never went um i used to get a bus down my nana God bless us. So we used to have a mother. So I used to get a bus up and just go and see my nana and then just go home. <laughs> <laughs> and then um and the co the coal corn company was in Motherwell. So I'd kind of go around and you know do that. Yeah. Uh, start there at four or five, do a couple hours there. Um, but I hardly went. And then um obviously the results came in um after my first year and they said, Well, you're not getting back in, right? So um I was asked to leave after my first year. My mum then went down, being my mum, and had an argument with the with the principal and managed to blag me back in. But the deal was that I do first and second year again right. in a condensed period. So that's that's when I kind of realised like I can I can do this uh, and I need to knuckle up now because I kind of keep I always I was told a lot I was always a guy that had a lot of potential right a lot of potential got a lot of potential yeah. but um, but I'd never actually fulfilled any of that potential right yeah. and then um, 
so that's when I had, um, you know, so I, I'd, I'd pa- so I'd done first and second year. And I started getting into like economics and um, like not all the math stuff. I hate math statistics, not I hated that. But I got into the economics and I started getting into, into it. And I started doing, my dad helped me a lot of write, you know, different ideas about how the motor trade could evolve and all that. So I started kind of getting interested in that. And um, then in my, and I'd done with the third year. So this point, I think I'm 20. And I had, um, and I ended up graduating with a degree of distinction top of the class, right? So I got 98%. Um, yeah. of it again it was still an open university but it's probably a bit better now but then it was a bit ropey right it was sponsored by Strathclyde Uni but it wasn't <laughs> um, so but I, but I had that and but when I was close to graduating I um, I was like well what am I going to do and I remember it really well it was a Saturday my mum will like this because my mum comes up a lot here um, it was a Saturday and there was an advert in the back that my mum and dad read the Glasgow Herald every day still do so the back of the Glasgow Herald, there was an advert in the business section. Right, okay. I'd always read the business section. And it would say, it would say international sales, no experience need. <laughs> I was like, my mum was like, you're applying for that. So I applied for it. I think I applied for it in January. So I'm graduating, obviously, in the May time. I graduated in January. And I was invited down to interview. So I was down to Park Lane. Right. Um, fancy hotel doing all these psychometric tests. They paid for my train journey down and all this stuff, right? I was down in a dodgy suit. Um, and it was all these kind of, it was, it was pretty much all males. Right? I don't remember any females. It was all males, not a diverse um, <laughs> um, industry, right? And doing all these interviews and psychometric testing and like um, scripted role plays and all this stuff. So anyway, I get a train back and they said, you, you passed, you came like, you, you, you've taught the class, we, we want you to come to the next stage. Right. So the next stage was at my Easter holidays. Um, and it was, so I was like, right. So I had to go to a week to, I think it was Ascot. It was one of those, it was one of those um, kind of riding towns, right? One of those horse racing towns. So I ended up going down on the Sunday, the Monday, and it was this big fancy hotel, right? And it was like, I was like, and a great room and all that. And I was like, this is, this is all right. And then, um, so, but first, first night, I, I ended up meeting a, a Northern Irish guy, and then we ended up getting smashed, right? So, really, really hungover, right? So, we ended up till, till three or four in the morning. Um, and then we, so anyway, went the next day, suit on, down, feeling a bit rough, but all good. Um, so, it turns out it was a whole week of training you in how to sell cars because it was all a bit ropey about what it was. It was no, nobody ever told you what you were doing and uh, yeah. what it was. It was all a bit shadowy, right? Um, so, really well, it was, a, it was a sales competition, right? So it was pretty much all the current sales guys in the, in the business, as well as the ones that were thinking about hiring. You'd done a sales competition. It's all about, you know, it was this selling called Lead the Boys, which is very, like, benefit to you. It's really crap sales, right? Really old school American yeah. sales. Um, so anyway, we do it all. End of the Friday came. I won it, right? So about 500 sales guys, right? I won it. They were like, right, where do you want to go? They're like, I'm going to give you a job. Now, there's a lot of things he didn't tell you, right? So there was no salary, right? So yeah. it's commission only. Right. Um, and you were selling American cars to the American military on American air bases at a discount cost, right? right. But again, that was all about... So they said, look, where do you want to go? You won, you can go wherever you want. And I was like, well... I was like, where's the most opportunity, right? Which is always the kind of key question I ask any point, and they still do. Where's the most opportunity? 
not like where's the niche, where's the most opportunity? And they said Ramstein Airbase in Kaiserslautern. This is 2006, right? right. So there's obviously a war on. There's a million Americans stationed at Ramstein Airbase. Yeah. So I was like, I'll go there. Absolutely. So my 21st birthday, um, I'm again with a bad hangover, um, constant theme. I, my mum and dad drove me through a big case and I flew to Frankfurt, Maine airport. Right. Um, this guy picked me up in a pole um, and ended up and I live with him. So I was his second sales. He was a sales guy and I worked for him as an apprentice. Right, okay. Um, and the first thing I was like, well, I ain't no apprentice. Right, so I, I'm 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 not always that humble, right? So I'm I'm not his apprentice. <laughs> so I was like, what do I need to do to not be your apprentice? He said, well, you need to show that you can sell cars. So I sold seventeen cars in my first month. Right, um, we were getting and paid nearly a thousand a thousand norm? euros a car. Hmm? What's the norm for the car sales in a month? Well, at that it was as a second sales, they expect you to sell two or three. Yeah. Right, so I, I done seventeen. Um, and he said, right, okay, fine. So I was promoted straight away to, so I got one office, phone, um, and um, but there's 30 guys in a lot, right? So it's kind of where I learned how to not build a culture because right. it was all really negative, right? The, the main thing we talked about is we've got to try and neg each other out. How do I neg them out? How do I get them into a negative mindset yep. so I can then jump in and, you know, it's not the, it's not the most, um, it's not the most uh, conducive yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, I I, I kind of so I just got onto it, right? So World Cup was on. It was great, right? It was out every night, selling a lot of cars, working six and a half days a week, right? We got a half day on a Thursday, and um, you know, we're selling American cars, you know, Harley Davidsons, you name it. Um, but again, the main thing for me was just being, you know, it was a huge just getting away from everything, right? Going and living on my own. Got my own flat in Germany, living in a wee village in the middle of nowhere, working in the airbase every day in American culture. And I love the American culture. You know, that's key. My career has always been, you know, there's been a real theme of America right through my career and even now. Um, so yeah, I loved it, right? It was, you know, you know, playing baseball, you're out, you know, having tackle bell for your lunch. It's like you're in America, but you're in Germany. And then at night I'm off out in Germany down uh Kaiserstown. So I said, um, you know, that was a key. Um that was a kind of key. Um, that was kind of. I suppose that was the point where I kind of really realised. A, I've got, I've got talent, which I don't know if I ever knew I had. Um, that sales is probably my thing, right? So I fell into it as most people do. But I knew I'd, you know, I don't think I'm a stereotypical sales guy. I'm not that. I'm not an extrovert, right? I'm not like. I'm not that. I can be quite socially awkward. I am not. I'm definitely not a, not an extroverted salesperson. Yeah. Yep. Um. But I try and build relationships and try and understand, you know, pain quickly and try and solve that pain, right? That's what good sales is. And I, that, that's probably what I got good at quickly. Um, and um, and also never try to take the piss, right? I've always tried to stand by that, not just, you know, if, if something doesn't feel right and it's you're ripping people off, don't do it. Um, um, don't do it. Don't sacrifice um don't sacrifice everything just for the buck, right? And and, and that's what that that was all, that always stood stood well. So I suppose that that was that was I suppose my formative years of of kind of growing up a bit, right? And kind of starting to starting to go right. Um, um, where am I going to go for here? And that and that was yeah, that was key. So, <clears throat> did you? How long did you stay out there for selling the cars? Yeah, out there for you know, um, eighteen months, couple of years, um. But then, then girlfriend wanted to come home, 
he got a job in Edinburgh. I was I was going to stay, but I said the culture was there was nowhere to really go. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, there was a, they had a sales manager, Scottish guy, been there all the time. You know, been there for like thirty years, so it was a way to really earn good money. But at that point, you know, it wasn't it wasn't really about money. Wasn't really a massive motivator for me, right? At that at that point, I was kind of whatever I made, I spent it in beer, right, and marble lights back then. That's what I, you know. Um, so, um, so yeah, so it was then a bit like, how do I, you know, where where did I go? And and it was just randomly. I'd met a guy in a, a bar in Frankfurt who had said, look, you should get into recruitment. Um, and then ended up, um, you know, getting a call about going to work in Frankfurt office for this American company, didn't know anything about recruitment. So I flew back. So I came, I flew back in December to do an interview actually over in Edinburgh. Because um, they had an Edinburgh office. So I thought, well, I'll have a chat because obviously she at the time was coming back to Edinburgh. So I thought, I'm going to come back to Edinburgh. Um, so I met, um, yeah, Andy there, we got on really well. Didn't really understand what we were doing, um, but I was like, there's something here, just a gut. And um, I remember saying to my dad on the way home, he was driving me back to the airport, and he was, he was like, I don't know about recruitment. You don't know enough about this. I said, I know, but something's telling me this is what I should do. Right, okay. I was like, it feels like the right thing. And he's like, I don't understand why you would try and sell people. That doesn't seem right. And uh, <laughs> um but I said, look, I'm going to try it. So anyway, I, I, I then went, got my battered old Hyundai and I drove from uh, Frankfurt back up to through Belgium and got the, uh, I broke down twice um, and then um, got the ferry back from Zutemir over to Resyth and then got a flat in Leith. Um, I didn't even know Leith, like, obviously I'm from, I'm from Lanarkshire, right? Leith, Leith and Edinburgh is a different world to me. <laughs> um, you know, I grew up going to Glasgow, never Edinburgh. Edinburgh was where the posh folk go. We never went to Edinburgh, right. so I had a flat in Leith, and uh, right up the, the office was in, was in um, Great Michael House in Leith Links, yeah. um, and that was when I got into recruitment, and that kind of defined the next twelve years, right? Of you know, I used you know, I had a hugely successful career. Right? I was running teams, starting offices, starting new businesses. It was an amazing time for me. Right, it was twelve years. You know, I, uh, you know, I started as a recruiter. I won recruiter of the year within six months. I realised that maybe I'm quite good at this. And then, you know, moved into the sales aspect, moved into leadership, and then, um, you know, moved into, you know, how can we create new divisions? How can we actually build more of a consulting business and not and move away from, um, you know, just being a staffing business and that. And and as I said, those twelve years were, you know, were the most successful I've ever had. Right. So. Um, you know, I was one of the top performers. I then trained and developed, you know, some of the top performers that are still the top performers. You know, we, we built an amazing culture. We built amazing teams from scratch. We created new offices. So hard work, right? And what you was know, the time week people that you were recruiting? Was it just general recruitment? No, or? it was IT. It was IT contractors. Everyone was IT. You know, my world has always been in, 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 in IT. So it was... You know, it was contract, right? So we were out trying to, you know, NHS it was the first account we had. Um, you know, and then you know, then we had multi, you know, then we were dealing with you know huge banks and we were doing massive, you know, massive managed service deals, 20, 30 million deals, right? We'd taken it from just providing a contractor on a day rate to you know working on an amazing model which which worked really well. Um and um yeah, but it was all it was all tech, and at that time the company went through loads of changes, right? So the company 
was a massive company. At that time, it was a $12 billion company when I joined. Right, okay. Uh, all in the US and went through amazing acquisition. I worked with amazing leaders that came over from the States. You ask it, to, you know, the, you know, I'm always, I'm always really, like most of the people who came through with me, they're still there, right? And I took a decision to leave, but the, you know, like I, those 12 years, you know, I got so much trust put in me and I learned, so, like I'm more, you know, I was working with American billionaires. I met numerous times from the age of 22 right through, you know, that I built the company from scratch and working with amazing leaders. You know, I'm being given so much opportunity to learn and, and, and to take on more responsibility. Made a ton of mistakes. Um, you know, done some great leadership stuff, done some bad stuff, you know, and and, and but that standing that I had, you know, like that 12 years, I learned, I think, more than I could in any job, right? And um, um, all good things need to come to an end. But yeah, those, those 12 years, right? Again, I... I I wouldn't be where I was today without everything I learned then. You know? yeah. And recruitment was still a bit of a dirty word. You never tell people you're in recruitment. I never tell people I was in recruitment. I just say I was an IT consultant. Right. You know, I would never tell people it was a bit of a dirty word. I think it was it's maybe less so now, but there's just a it was it was like, you know, it's like being a car salesman. It's just got a bad, bad connotation to it, right? right. Um, you know, and and um, but then like then I'm gonna look back and it's kind of stupid. Because you add a lot of value, right, to projects, to people's lives. There's a lot of value that comes from it, and it's not easy. You know, people think it's easy, and everybody's driving around in Ferraris. Yeah. That's not the case, yeah. right? That's, most of the people who come are scrambling around in twenty grand a year, just trying to, you know, trying to work it out and learn and develop. It's not, you know, it's not all. Um, it's not what the outside, you know. The, um, there's very there's some that obviously make, you know, do amazing things, but that's that's very much not the norm um so um so yeah that was that was kind of that was really the kind of key form of years in my career so did you just go straight from that recruitment job into self-employed or did you do no. something in between starting up no so so at that point i'm kind of early 30s and i reason i left i'd bump out right so i i uh, you know i'd worked like i said at the start my work ethic and driving determination was always my big, big strength, my urgency. Um, but, you know, I, I probably over relied on those things, right? So that was always my my strength. But that does put you under a lot of stress. Um, and, you know, you're kind of mid-20s and that, you're invincible. You don't, But by early 30s, I started feeling signs, right? So, yeah. like, insomnia, body pain, lost a lot of muscle. I started getting a lot of... I was always ill. Always ill. Um, and um, just all these health issues, ulcers in my stomach, everything, right? And and what I realized was that I was I had and I was diagnosed with but I had chronic stress and I was I was I had been used to, you know, the, I'll never forget a specialist sat me down at Ross Hall Hospital, Glasgow and said, if you continue to walk this way, you know, because my daughter had just been born at that point, is that you'll not be here to see your daughter. Is that you're going into a full on mental breakdown. You are not where you should, you know, this this is not normal. And you need to make some changes. And I didn't make any changes. Um, and um, for about six months, and that had an impact to my team as a leader. My yeah. my leadership, you know, my like my I went from building and running businesses that were growing, and and to just you know my 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 team were starting to kind of fall away. We were losing people. And when I look back, that was all me, right? Yeah. I wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't being a good role model. Um, I was struggling, and I wasn't talking about it. And I was 
under so much pressure and I was putting it all on me and I was trying to dig us out of difficult situations without really sharing it with anybody. Yeah. And, you know, my, so, and, you know, I, I, and that's when I decided that, you know, it's just time to go. And, um, and it's old analogy. It's a hard decision. You're knocking mm-hmm. yourself ill to make someone else rich. Yeah, but, and I never even thought that way though, right? It was just about, that's the way I always worked, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And, and um, but then, I, yeah, it got to the point where um, I just had to, hard, the hardest thing I ever had to do was, but I'm like, you're, I'm just going to go, right? And, you know, and it was kind of, you know, I look back, there's a good legacy there, and I was, but, you know, probably let, you know, I, 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 you know, just leaving like that just didn't feel quite right, right? It was just, but I had to go. So, um, so I just took some time initially, right? I was, again, I was lucky in a way that, you know, yes, I was, I, I was in serious burnout, I was in chronic stress, I was in a bad place physically, mentally. Yep. But I was lucky I'd been successful, so I could take, you know, I, I was lucky enough in the place that I could take a bit of time and start to make some decisions, right? And um, so I decided just to get myself better, right? So, you know, I, I, I you know, meditated with Buddhist monks, you know, I went and done ice baths, I, you know, alternative therapists, you know, I started doing MMA, which is the best thing I've ever done, um, and um, drive my daughter to nursery, start building a relationship with her first three years of her life, I was never here, yeah. right, and uh, just started doing that, and just, but, but um, and it was, and my confidence, I'm a confidence guy, right, so my confidence was shot, I was honest, I, I couldn't make a decision, if you came to me and asked me, um, you know what? What you know? Do you want a sandwich for lunch, or do you you want to go out? I couldn't have told you, right? I, I could not make a decision. I was just I was a shell of my, myself. I just couldn't. All my confidence, all my drive, had just gone. Um, and I also, I'd honestly thought I was in the career scrap heap. A few people had said that, made that comment, and I honestly thought, I'm 32, and that's it for me, right? Or 33, I'm out. That's it for me. Um, I'm just going to need to take a you know, take some job and just kind of go and do it. Um, and, but I always knew, I always had the plan of going to start my own company. Always, 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 always. By the two, you know, the non-compete. Also, I wasn't mentally in the stage where I wanted to go and do that, right? And so I didn't want to go and do anything. So I just got some- that mental side, did anybody tell you, you know, to go and get help or did them try and give you help or, you know, were you just, was it yeah, just the ones- Yeah, point, I think I'm a very hard person to help, right? So- you know, I, I always take, take the, you know, at the end of the day, the buck stops with me. So I'm a very hard person to help. Um, but, um, you know, I was given time off, right? I was given like three weeks off to go and kind of, um, but yeah, I, I needed more than that, right? And, um, but like, that was a time, that was three, four years ago, mental health was in a very different stage than it is now. Yeah. You know, one of the things I've tried to do in gig is make sure we have mental health you know, mental health and diversity built into the core of the company from day one and not as an afterthought. But um, yeah, like it was, but as I said, I don't know if I wanted to be helped, right? So I, I, there, there wasn't a ton of help, but if there was, I don't know if I'd taken it, to be honest, Grant. I don't know if I would have taken it. I was probably in denial. Um, and, um, but just spin it another way, best thing that ever happened to me though, right? So weirdly, best thing that ever happened to me was going to that place. Because then what I realized was, my view was that I need to be a good provider, right? I need to provide a house, the private school, all of that kind of good stuff. I need to 
be a provider. And what I realised was that if you don't have your physical and mental health, you don't have anything, right? And 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 again, that sounds like a really cliche, but I, I realised that, and then I really prioritised, right? I need to prioritise myself in terms of my own physical and mental health, number one, my family, number two, yeah. and then everything else after that. And that sounds like people are like, hey, you need to prioritise your family, number one. Look, if you're not physically and mentally there, there's no point. So that's what I realised. And that's when I just, I said I decided, you know, I now weigh 12 kilograms more than I did then, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm still not, you know, I'm still, I wouldn't, I'm still not a big guy, right? I sleep every night, right? I sleep for eight hours every night, right? Um, I'm under way much more stress now than I probably ever was, but I can deal with it better because I've learned the meditation, I've learned the, I've learned the training, right? Training is a big outlet for me, just getting out in the fresh air, spending time with Isabella and Sarah Jane, just all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I realised, and, you know, if I hadn't realised all of that stuff, I'd have probably already burnt out because, as you know, you know, building a company from scratch, getting rejected every day, yeah. trying to fund, it's, you know, nobody in their right mind would do it, right? Yeah. Because it puts a ton of pressure on you mentally. And I think if I hadn't gone through all of that, I don't think I could have dealt with it now. But I can deal with it now because, as I said, I've been through the, and then I've, I've been able to create the checks and the balances and the coping mechanisms that when I start feeling that way, because I'm not immune to it, um, you know, like my hand shakes when I'm, when I'm really when I'm really stressed, my left hand shakes uncontrollably. So when that feels that's then that's that's my body telling me, yeah, I'm gonna step away. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it was probably the it was, you know, I just went and done a lot of things. Right, I went and talked to um, people and 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 just kind of and I started openly openly talking about it. Right, you know, that was the first thing that I kind of ever done on LinkedIn. I don't ever use LinkedIn to find potential clients and find contractors. Yeah. And I kind of shared a bit, you know, some of my journey and what I'd learned about burnout and, you know, and 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 then I was asked to join This Is Me Scotland, which is a mental health initiative. I then got offered to to join um, the Data Lab as a board, um, you know, to help bring data and AI jobs to Scotland. And, um, and then I was offered a job at Gartner. And those three things were transformative for me because they allowed me it made me realize that I had a lot, I'd learned a lot in those 12 years. I already said I learned a lot, but I hadn't realized that, right? I, I had, I honestly had, in my head, I was kind of worthless, right? In my head, I was kind of like, I'm done. You know, I quit, you know, I grew an amazing business and then it kind of started turning because of me and, and I kind of had took in that, right? I'd kind of felt like a failure. Um, now you look at all the numbers and everything, it wasn't a failure, but um, but I felt like it. And, um, and then I think, just those things built my confidence back. You know, a guy Greg Johnson at Gartner gave me a job, and he was an amazing guy for me to work with at that time. Just the right person at the right yeah. time. Um, I met John Brody, who's my current chairman, um, through the Data Lab. You know, just you know, when everyone kind of aligns, yeah. right? And everything just felt like it aligned. And um, and um, my plan was I'll do a couple of years at Gartner, and and um, and then I'll learn new skills there, and then I'll go and. I'll, I'll go and do my own thing. And that's kind of what happened. And that's kind of what happened. There's two and a half years at Gartner. Um, done two years with the This Is Me Scotland at the same time. Um, and um, still on the date I board at the time being. Um, and then, and yeah, so it was kind of like, it was kind of like those things were really me built, you know, physically getting, you know, done a couple of MMA fights to get my you know, confidence in that. I'm not an MMA fighter by any stretch of the imagination, but I enjoy the training, right? And uh and so that helped. And yeah, just, just that process, right? And then 
and then the process of, you know, then lockdown came. And I thought, well, if I'm going to do this, now's the time, right? I'd got money in the, saved up. I'd kind of I'd kind of planned it. Like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to give it two years. I'm going to have enough money saved up that I don't need to work for two years if everything goes wrong. Yep. So, you know, that was, you know, that was my, that was my plan. And then, yeah, we started building. Um, you know, me and my co-founder met, John got involved and we built something. I don't know if we ever knew where it was going to go. I think yeah. it was mainly to keep us all sane through lockdown. Yeah. So just taking you on the start of that journey then. So um, you've obviously started your own business. How did you think of coming up with this business that you started? And, you know, did you already know your co-founder? Was that an experience that you had to then go out and, and find someone? Or you know, just run me through that process. So I'd had the idea ages ago, right? And it's not all a totally original idea, right? Um, using the AI and technology to recruit people isn't a particularly new thing. But so I'd had the, I had the idea when I was leaving the leaders group around, you know, we'd started looking at AI in the gig economy, you know, part of the leadership sessions we'd done was looking at risks. And one of the big risks of the staffing industry was the gig economy and technology. So I'd started kind of playing about with, with an idea and um and I, I kind of had played about it um and it was it was called talent exchanger which is a terrible name and it was really an AI I could get me and my mate who lives in Australia we were kind of playing playing with it you know just in terms of he's a tech guy and we were just playing with it but we'd never really done anything with it right it was just something we were playing with um and then when I was at when I was at Gartner I'm working I'm advising CEOs and CIOs all the time and it, the, the, the number one challenge that all happened, it was all tech talent. Everyone was tech talent. It wasn't about, I thought I was going to go to Gartner and it was going to be like, everybody was going to talk to me about these big issues that I'd never heard of. It was all about how do we, you know, how do we get the right talent on the right projects so we can then deliver more revenue or save money? It was all about make money, save money, people, yeah. right? It was all the same thing. Every business was the same. So I started realizing that. And then I was like, well, I know a lot about this industry. So I started being able, I started, they started asking me for my advice. I said, well, you asked me my advice at Gartner or you asked me my advice? I'm like, I'm asking for your advice. Yeah. And I was like, right. So, and then I started seeing a lot of these talent platforms. I don't really know much about it. I started seeing it. And I was like, a lot of these platforms aren't that innovative. And they're obviously made by people who have never been in the industry, right? As yeah. I said, recruitment is a bad name, but there's a lot to it. Right, qualifying a project properly is an art. Being able to match the right people is an art. Being able to get the right people interested, being able to deal with all the rejection, being able to deal with the backouts, being able to deal with the, you know, people just going AWOL and disappearing because it happens. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of complexity in contract recruitment. It's a ton. Um, and it's also a crazy market, right? Globally, it's nearly a 900 billion market. Right, contingent recruitment. It's a big, big market. Um, you know, the 10 biggest recruitment companies in the world make 400 billion from recruit from contract recruitment a year. Okay. Right? It's a big market. Yeah. Um, and it's a market that's only getting bigger, but it's changing. Yeah, yeah. Because the contract market is becoming, you know, working as a 12-month or working at like the old school is, you know, you'd have a contract at RBS who'd work there for 17 years on 500 quid a day. Yep. Right, and those days are gone, right? Because of IR thirty five, and just because of, you know people are looking at bottom line more. Those days are gone, yeah. but people now want more flexibility. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that's kind of where we, we've got the plan is like, can we build a way, not for micro work, but for kind of like in between, I need a contractor and I need a consultant. You know, instead of paying a censure, you know, two grand a day, is there a way to get, you know, tech talent really nice and quickly, but, yeah. but in a way that qualifies a project properly yeah. and everything else. So I started building that business plan. And, um, and I had been looking for someone I needed, I'm not that technical, right? I'm, I can talk technically, but I'm not that technical. I can't code. Mm. Um, that's not my skill set, right? I, I'm a business and sales guy, right? I'm not a, I'm not a, a coder, but I understand the business of, of, of it. So my brother had kept saying to me, weirdly, my brother also introduced me to my, to my wife, my youngest brother, but he also introduced me to my co-founder because he said, so there's a guy we knew, friend of a friend, met him at weddings and stuff, Greg, and uh he said, you got to speak to Craig about it. You've got to speak to Craig. I kept telling me, and then I eventually picked up the phone to Craig and had a chat with him about it. And he was building a platform, kind of similar, called Hourlies, which was really a, a, a talent platform, but just for hourly work, right? Okay. But crazy amazing technically, but from a from a business perspective, I'm like, that model doesn't stack up. That isn't going to, that's not going to scale and it's not going to make money. Yeah. So I said, let, you share, let me show you my model. And I shared it. And he just went and built it. Right? right okay. So... So, you know, and you know, we were both full time, and it was only a side project. As I said, I don't ever think we ever thought it was going to turn into what it has done, and hopefully, where it's going to go. I don't, I don't know if it was. I don't know if we were thinking that big. Yeah. Um, like at the end of the day, we quit our jobs, we took the massive risk, and we went and done it. Yeah. But we 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 focused on just building a product first. We just like let's see if we can build something that works. We managed to get Innovate UK give us money. We managed to do it all. It was just evenings and weekends, right? It was just yeah. it was a passion project. Yep. while everybody's locked down right i think that's what kept the same during lockdown we just yeah. worked on it and john gave us all this time and he you know data scientist by trade had just sold his company the amazing guy and he just helped right just helped and there was loads of amazing entrepreneurs scottish entrepreneurs that just helped gave us advice gave us ideas and and really just spurred us on right and um and you know we got to the point where we had built a prototype we had built something that was close to an mvp um, so we put it out there and we started getting some, you know, Forbes then wrote about it and we were like, we're going to need to quit jobs. Let's just do it. So we had a, me and Craig had a conversation um, and we said, because John kept saying, to you, you're going to quit your jobs, guys. You quit your jobs. But, you know, I think the safety net having your job, right? Um, but then we we're like, you know what? Fuck it. All in. Let's go. Uh, and we've done it. And um, we changed the name to Gig AI because we needed some that was talent exchanger pwc had it we got a letter from them saying you can't have that so we've done all of this and then we but we started getting traction right and we started getting um you know people saying that's a good idea and um because the way we attack the market is a bit different we are focused on the quality of the piece of work you know we're trying to use ai to do the, the good stuff that recruiters do right qualifying a project matching we, we we've automated all of that right so we've yeah. taken all the really good stuff but we still need recruiters but you need recruiters from a business, you know, to build that business relationship to do yeah. sales. You don't need them to do all the stuff that they don't really want to do. Um, and then all the back office stuff, we automated all of that. Um, yeah, and and, and be, you know, before we know it, we were, you know, we were we were funded by a VC, you know, we had 10 people, you know, and you know, we've got a business that, that again could go on to could go into amazing things again it might not right it might not we're going to give it all we've got right but we're going to enjoy the, the key things and it kind of goes back to everyone learned right all the kind of successes and failures that i've had and all my kind of shortcomings i've tried to put into this business 
right? We've tried to put in values-based, you know, not just tick an HR box. We've tried to build values that we mean a lot to us from day one with yeah. everybody built into it. We've, had, we've tried to build mental health and flexibility into everything we do from day one. Right? We don't have set errors. Nobody has set errors in our business. You know, we focus on outcomes. I don't care when you work. I don't care where you work. Um, and, um, you know, we've we've got an office that's really for collaboration. Nobody needs to be in that office. Yeah. You want to work full-time remotely? I don't care. Yeah. Um, but some people don't want to do that. Hence the reason we have an office because some of the more junior guys, they want to be in. They want to learn from others. And you've got to, you've got to cater to not a one size fits all in that, and and um, you know, and also from a learn from a sales perspective, we try to build it all in. So um, I said, I don't know where it will go, but um, you know, it, it's it's really just trying to trying to build all of those, as I said, successes and failures, but mainly the failures into you know into this, um, and um, you know, I love it, right? I love it. It's as I said, it's. It may be a huge success, it may be a huge failure, but the process, I've, I've, I've learned to love the process, right? Love the learn. I've learned more in the last two years than I've learned in the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, it's, I wouldn't swap it for the world. Um, as I said, it might, might not make it, right? But it might, right? And, and, I, and I said, but as long as we can enjoy the process and grow, everybody, I mean, all of us grow yeah, yeah. in the process, then we'll be all right. So in a nutshell, what's your... Um... What is your strap line? What is it that Gig Day does? So, really simply, is we help you think tech talent quickly, right? That's really, really, you know, we've got loads of different marketing strap lines, but that's really what we do, right? If you, um, now we solve a bigger business challenge, which is, hey, I'm trying to generate revenue, I'm trying to generate funding. Yep. A lot of those people related, right? You need a pitch deck writer to write your pitch deck to get the funding, you need a data scientist to help you build your product. You know, we help, you know, find that talent. And you don't need to be a big company, right? It's going to be, you can be an early stage startup. Um, we'll help you qualify the work. You don't need to be an expert in qualifying a project. Our platform will do it all. And you can have somebody started working on a project in an hour. Um, so what's the difference between your company and let's say like a Fiverr? Yeah. Well, a, we're focusing in particular niches, right? So we're focusing purely on digital skills. Um, but we're really focusing on the quality of the work. So our, our AI focuses in qualifying and we vet the client, right? So, you know, we, instead of it just being tons and tons of work and getting 400 proposals or lots of proposals from unqualified, you know, we're qualifying both sides of the, the fence, right? So the client needs to create, go through the conversation with AI to create a properly defined piece of work. Okay. Which then a, a quality freelancer is going to want to work on a defined quality piece of work. And you, and we will, if we vet that client to make sure they are who they say they are, make sure they can pay their bills. It's all quick and easy, but you know, you're not, you know, you as a freelancer, you're always going to take risk and you've got to minimize that risk. So really we focus on the quality of it, right? Make sure that that that, that piece of work is quality, make sure the match is quality. It's, it's really, it's really a quality driven play is that we're playing at. So instead of stacking them up, stacking up volume, and there's no disrespect to Fiverr, you need a logo design, go to Fiverr, not us, right? Definitely, yeah. 100%. If you need a more complex piece of work, though, um, and you, you know, then, you know, if you've got five grand piece of work, because our average is around five to eight grand. Most of the pieces work around that. Yep. Are you going to trust a fiver for a, you know, five grand piece of work? don't know if you are. But if you have a link, a customer success manager, and you know that all the checks and balances we've done, you know, IR35 check-in, um, you know, properly automated payments, all the, 
you know, all the stuff that you're doing, it, it's really around, you know, quality, right? And making sure that, you know, like for example, we've, we've got a client who, small client, two of them, they developed an app. It's a really cool app, but they can't get any eyeballs on it. Right, okay. Hired an SEO consultant from our platform and they've tripled their, their, their sales through just having some targeted marketing and SEO help. They're not marketers, they're tech people. They yeah. don't know that. So that's the kind of business um, benefit and challenge that we want to solve, right? How can we help you, you know, get that product out there? How can we help you, you know, launch that product, get to revenue through tapping into, you know, and I, I'm reticent to say freelancers because a lot of the gigs done on our platforms are people that are working at 95, okay. right? They're working at a bank, they're working at something 95, they're amazing at what they do and they've got a side gig, right? And they, you know, they do a couple hours a night on a side gig and they're amazing. And a startup isn't going to be able to get an 80,000 pounds software developer that's working at a bank. But if they can tap in and use them for certain tasks, that's amazing. You know, we do it all the time. That's how we built our business. We, yep. before we, you know, we built, you know, high valuation and two MVPs with no permanent staff, right? We've done it purely using freelancers from the platform. Yeah. And we still use it, you know, we, even though we're 10 full time, you know, our lead developers, freelancer from our platform, all our blogs are done from somebody from a platform, you know, we, we, we practice what we preach. Yeah, yeah. You were talking about raising investment there. Um, you know, it's, I'm going through the same journey as you. So um, I know it's not for the faint hearted. Um, how are you finding the process? And, you know, do you... Do you think that the process could be better in Scotland um, for raising investment? I think the process in general of raising could be better, right? I think it's a so what what I've realized from doing it um last year and doing it again now is that it's really it's no different from a sales campaign, right? It's no different from being out there trying to sell a service to a client. It is no different. And I think you need to you need to look at it the same way, right? So you're going to need to have a long list, but you're going to then need to have you know, maybe your top kind of five to 10 who you really want to invest, but you kind of need to go out and do a scattergun approach. Yep. Um, I need to talk to a lot of people. You've got to have a lot of initial conversations before you're pitching. You've then got to be be very active, good at following up um, and, um, and play a bit of a numbers game. And it's um, not like, and you're going to get tons of rejection. I, like, it's, it's, it's a hardest thing. I think it's the hardest thing I've done. Um, I said, I've, I've won deals worth tens and tens of millions, um, which were a lot easier than raising half a million quid, yeah. right? So, um, and see, when you're talking because, about these kicks that you get, does that does that sometimes trigger your your mental state to, to go back the way sometimes? You know, there's no. only so many low blows that you can take. No, because what I've done, so I've realized my trigger, right? So my triggers are, my triggers weirdly, right? I don't really know what a, a psychologist could maybe tell me, but I've got this irrational fear about being poor, right? This irrational fear of not being able to have a roof over our heads, not being able to, you know, I don't know that comes back to, you know, you know, all of my kind of expanded families, working class back, I don't know what it is. But I've got that. And that's what I realise when my stress kicks in the most is when I feel that I can't provide. And it's the same for, it's the same as a founder, right? I feel that, you know, that stress kicks in when I feel I'm 
can't provide for our team or are we going to be able to have the funding to be able to do these things? What I realised is that i just got to have a plan, right? So with every time I go out to fund, I do exactly the same if I was a salesperson. I have plan A, plan B, plan C and plan D. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, and I, so it was the same if I'm going out to try and win a big banking client. Most of mine was in banking, right? But I would, I wouldn't just go after like RBS. I would have RBS, I would have HSBC, I'd have Barclays, and a Deutsche Bank or whatever, right? Or Merrill Lynch and all those guys back in the day. And I would focus. I would do a campaign in all four of them at the same time. Yeah. And I would, and one of them would drop, right? One of them would drop, and I would get one of them, and I'd be a hero. Um, and we get it done, but. That was only because I wasn't just going hammer and tongue on that one because if I lost that one or that one didn't buy for any reason or they went out of business, which happened with you know Merrill Lynch and a lot of the other ones, Lehman Brothers that I was selling to back in the day. Yeah. That's when I realized can he hedge your bets on one, right? Yes. So you know, I every time I raise now, I have a plan A of this is the amount of what I raise in these investors, I then have plan B, which is a smaller amount, and then a plan C, which is another like say a crowdfunding, then up then whether it be debt. Um, you know, or whether it be different equity finance, I, you know, I, I make sure at the same time I have more than one, so I'm not then feeling, and, and that gives you more work, right? And you need good people around you to take the slack, but I, you, that's what I do now, right? I make sure that I'm not just putting it all on, I need to raise X amount by this point, because but you might not, the market's just changed, right? Last year, you know, loads of companies writing crazy checks at crazy valuations yeah. things are changing now right unfortunately um, more unfortunately for the people that are um, dealing with everything in Ukraine but that is having a knock-on effect in the market right it always does any big geopolitical change makes an impact to how people invest money yeah exactly the same so um so we're gonna have a different time so I need to have more options so yeah that's how I do it now right I just I, I make sure I plan in a way that doesn't just put all my eggs in one basket because I know if I did and the things start going wrong, that's going to then trigger those all the, those stress, all of that, and that's all going to come back. And then I'm going to be back to where I was. And and that was, I suppose, that's the key thing for me, right? It's just making sure that there's always an, there's always an option. If I think it'd be a good founder, a good CEO, you've just got to always be ready for what about if everything goes wrong, right? And, and, what what's my backup to make sure that we live? A, we, you know, John, my chairman, always says your main objective when you get out of bed in the morning is to stay in business. Stay yeah. stay in business is your number one objective. Everything else is just a it's just a nice to have, right? Yeah. Focus on the business of business. Stay in business. Fight another day, um, and that's that's what I try and focus on. Yeah. And where are you on the journey of gigged, and, and where do you see it going in the future? So we're, we're ahead of where I thought I'd be, right? So where we thought we'd be as a business, we are ahead, you know, in terms of the the user base, the clients we have, the products we have out there, right? We've got three out of the four products live. Um, so, you know, in terms of where we're at, I'm really proud of where we got to as a team relatively quickly, right? We, we only launched a quick art at the end of June. We launched in July. From, from July to now, you know, I'm really proud of where we are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now moving forward, look, we um we need to scale, scale, really scale our sales and marketing function to really, um, you know, to really make sure that more that more people 
you know, know who we are and what we do and get the benefit from our platform um, and launch into the, the biggest talent platform market, which is the US. And we, we plan to launch into the US in July. Um, you know, and, and ultimately our goal is that our goal is to build a company that we're really proud of, right? And to to grow and develop as we and I mean everybody and you know, because we've made sure that everybody's got a cut of their business through EMI share options. And we we want to make sure that everybody has career development, right? They develop personally and professionally as we grow. Yep. But then look, we we, we don't hide from it. We our plan is to then exit, right? We want to be a we want to be a Scottish success story. We want to show that there are like yourselves there's ambitious companies out there that are trying to not just settle for okay let's go and try and take on the big bad world out there let's try and take on the big markets let's try and take on these big silicon valley backed companies and let's let's try and win we might not win but let's try and win right let's go and be audacious and try and you know somebody a vc said that to me i think you're way too audacious i took that they meant it as an insult but i felt it i took it as a as a positive yeah because yeah. i think that's where we've got to be right let's go and Let's go and try and take it on. Let's not just be the dour Scots that are, are going to, um, well, it's too hard to be a Scottish company. You know, nobody takes you seriously. You know, the funding environment's not good enough. Look, all those things are true. Yeah. Right? And we can talk about all these ecosystems and all this crap all we want. But at the end of the day, founders have got to go out and do it, right? So, you know, yeah, there isn't enough support for us. Yes, there isn't enough VCs that write checks in Scotland for us. You know the whole the whole support ecosystem is is rubbish, right? Let's go just call a spade a spade. Um, there's too much bureaucracy. Um, there's not a lot of the right companies aren't being backed and helped the right way. You know we've had to fight and fight and fight, much like I'm sure you have, is to get any support and any yeah. um, recognition. But look, that's our job, though, right? That's our job. So um, that's my kind of my sermon, but. Uh, but yeah, no, do I think it's all broken? Yes. But do we need we, we need just more um entrepreneurs that are just going well? That's all fact. That's all fact. Yeah. But um let's try and pave a way, right? Let's try and pave a way. Like Skyscanner done it. Yeah. Um yeah. your current health just done it. Yeah. So you know, those guys have done it. So why can't we have more of them? And I think yeah. that's what I'd love to be, one of those Scottish success stories. You know, and, the, and then I want to do other things, right? I, I said, I'd like to exit. I'd like to be able to show that we can build a company and we can exit. But then I'd like to, you know, I'd like to then work on my own mental health charity, right? I want to work on, you know, um, actually having a real, you know, a lot of issues in my family with, with mental health and there's, 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 there's things that need to be fixed there. I'd love to do that. Yeah. I'd also love to create a Y Combinator style incubator in Scotland to help those Scottish companies with the support, like, like me and you are the kids, right? So yeah. we've, you know, but if you, if I was 22 doing this, I would have failed, right? I don't know yeah. about you, yeah. but if I hadn't had some life experience and a bit of resilience behind me, I don't think I would have been able to get through it. Yeah. So I'd like to do all those things later, but. It's uh, interesting. Um, <clears throat> just on the Y Combinator thing, that's something that, you know, I, I would love to do as well. Um, Let's do it. Something that I've kind of looked at. Um, and, and had quite openly chats recently actually um, because I'm like you you know I've not not actually I've bootstrapped I've been in a bit of a fortunate position where I can bootstrap Light and Cloud but you know we are raising and actually the people that we need the money from is in Scotland you know we've had to go out the UK to get money um, so you know I think like you said it's, it is broken you know and I think something needs to be done about it to change, but how, how do you do it? 
that's something that probably we can do when we've exited, um, but get the wheels in motion now. Um, you know, uh, and I think investment is is a hard one. Um, you know, I never thought it would be this hard, but it is hard because every day you get kicked, you get told basically, you know, you're not ready. You know, you need to do this. You change something. The next VC comes in and is like, oh, you need to change this. You're like, well, I've just changed it because so-and-so told me to change it. You know, it's just, it's constant pushing and pulling. Where I yeah. think now on the journey, I'm like you, I'm just, that is it. If you don't like it, don't invest, you know? Yeah, because exactly. If I keep changing everything, it knocks the company back the way. So um, nah, it's, it's an interesting one for you. So just in regards, just wrapping up, just in regards to, obviously that's where you want to be in exit. What's your plans in the next, for this year? Um, you're going to Silicon Valley, is that right? Yeah, we're going. So we're going to the. You know, we want. We want to pull. Um, we want to raise um, a significant amount of money to really scale the team, right? So we want to scale our sales, marketing, and product team. We've just been given grant funding to really take our product to the next level from Scottish Enterprise, which yeah. has been great, right? And we appreciate that. Um, that's our first grant from this kind of Scottish ecosystem. Yeah. We also were through the AI incubator for the University of Edinburgh, which was great, right? So. You know, all these things we got in the second or third time asking, right? So I think that's a key message for end. We yeah. got rejected from all these things, but we kept at it, at it, and then we got accepted and we did benefit from it. Yeah, um, yeah it's about scaling out the team and scaling out our client base now, right? We've, we've built an amazing group of freelancers. We've built amazing technology. But it's, it's all about scaling, acquiring new customers, um, acquiring more customers in the U.S., and then, and then really growing our, you know, we, we've built a, a product that we're really proud of, which is an internal talent marketplace, which allows companies, big companies, universities, public sector organizations to be able to look internally before they hire externally. You know, that can be, that can be built and rolled out in 48 hours quicker than anybody globally. You know, you can have, you can white label all our algorithms and all our marketplace and use it internally. Yeah. Edinburgh Uni just done a pilot which was awesome and it worked really well. And um, so we want to scale that. So yeah, for us, it's, it's, it's all about client growth. It's all about how can we grow um, and then keep hiring great people and keeping our culture. We're really proud of our culture, but we're conscious we're, we're 10 people and we go to 30, 40, 50 people. Yeah. We've got to keep that. Um, so, um, so yeah, all about scale, scale, scale. Yeah, and are you planning on staying in Scotland? Um, me personally, yes. I like traveling. I like America. We will open an office in America. I think Houston. Right, okay. We're looking to open an office in Houston. Okay. Uh, we want uh, NASA have a th an open talent innovation um, team. We'd love to be able to be part of that. Um, we obviously can't until we have an operation in the US. Um, so yeah, no. Our plan is that open a, a Houston office. We've got that kind of pretty much sorted. Um, and um, they've just, that's an ecosystem, that's a startup ecosystem, and they've just really welcomed us and, and, and offered to help us, which is awesome. Um, so, yeah, no, that's the plans, get get into the into the US. As I said, there's still travel. I'll, I'll, I don't plan on moving full time, but I'll, I'll be out there a lot this year, right? I'm looking forward to it. I'm out to, yeah, Silicon Valley in April, then New York a bit um, as we finalise this race, and then, um, and then, yeah, out to Houston a few times to try and... Um, your builds. Most of our tech team will keep here, but we need a big sales function in the US. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll hire over over there and um, and see where we go. But that's that's a big market. The future lock market over there is just it's unbelievable. So that's where we need to be there if we're going to really if we're going to grow meaningfully. The UK market doesn't isn't there yet in terms of really 
that platform sourcing mindset of, you know, it's not really there, right? So we're continually trying to change behavior, which is fine, you know, um, it'll come around because the more supply and demand issues as we take people, that'll increase. But at the moment, yeah, it's all about how do we, um, you know, how do we scale it? Yeah. Mate, thanks very much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. It's a good story. Well, to, to therapy. It's good. I've not talked about any of that stuff for a while, if ever. <laughs> and uh, all, all the best for the future. And, and I'm sure you'll do well. And I'm sure you're going to have that exit because uh, I've spoke to you on a couple of occasions and I know you've, you've got that mindset and you've got that determination to just take the bull by the horns and go for it. And uh, yeah, all the best in the future, mate. And Today's podcast is kindly sponsored by lettingcloud.co.uk.